Welcome to the Jiu-Jitsu of Life, a weekly podcast for BJJ enthusiasts who are striving to succeed both on and off the mats. This podcast is brought to you by Robles, makers of the world's finest custom jiu-jitsu apparel. And here are your hosts on the Jiu-Jitsu of Life, Carter Fisk and Mo Siddiqui. It's, it's kind of, um, you know, it's the pressure of knowing you're being recorded. It's like, man, no, yes. I've, lost, I've lost all my skills. So. There's no, well, and then there's no authenticity. That's true. But, That's true. Um, at least on my end. But uh, <laughs> I'm so glad you called on, uh, I'm, I'm so glad you called the Saturday training off, dude. I needed that so yeah. very badly. Yeah. It was meant to be. I have not been sleeping well. It's like it's gotten worse. Oh, no. For reason. And in my own doing, I just been staying late watching Stranger Things with Yusuf. And so we're waking up super late in the day. I got to get back on track. And yeah. now and now it's like it's a routine for me. Yeah. So it's like I won't get sleepy until super late. Yeah. And I'm waking up super late. It's yeah. Good. So it's, but it's a tough starting for Yusuf. So I'm hoping that I'll get back on track. It's going to be tough, though. Because, man, now when I wake up early – like I, I feel terrible. <laughs> Bad. <laughs> so basically, you're you're hoping that Yusuf starts waking you up when when school's dead. I got to go to school. You're like, whatever, yeah. kid. You'll we be may, fine. We may have to quit school. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can walk. It's fine. I trust you. <laughs> oh, oh man, it's funny, man. No, nice. but I, I'm glad you called the training. <sighs> Dude, I got ringworm again. Mm. I keep getting ringworm. Which is, again, I really wish it had a different... I will say that the Robles mats, I, I got special mat cleaner, man. Oh, so. I, know, I know it's not the Robles mats. <laughs> no, I know whose mats it is, but it's just, um, I wish there was a better name for it because it's like... Is it a mat that Coco shares with you? Um, he has shared this mat with me before, so okay. I'm going to blame him no matter what. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, it's because, you know, if it's on your feet... It's athlete's foot. That sounds fine. Ringworm, it sounds like you're infected with some sort of worm. It's oh, not I didn't know that. It's the exact same thing. It's the exact same thing. And then if you get it know. on your um, if you get it on your head, it's called something else. I can't remember what it's called, but like it's the exact it's a fungus. It's a fungal infection. But, but Okay, so see I thought there were two different things because like athletes when I think of athlete's foot, I'm always like, okay, like somebody has stinky feet. Right, but that's not I mean they probably do, but that's athlete's foot is a fungal infection as well. So, but it's okay. the same fungus as it is on ringworm. It's just in a different place. It's just the name. It's like the the branding. If I were to consult ringworm, I'd say, listen, you're obviously <laughs> doing very well in the grappling community. You're all over the place. You're everywhere. Fisk is a huge fan. He's had it. I don't even know dozens of times at this point. However, if we want you to go further, we got to think about the name gotta think about how about about like like wrestler's rash or like like i don't know like the grappling i like that better yes yes the grappling circle or something i mean like but it's super is it super contagious uh yeah that's what they say what are you supposed to do what do you when you get ringworm what are you supposed to do just cut that limb off man just move on um (laughs) No, it's so there's there's medications, there's different stuff. I've had it like a couple times I had it really bad. I had it like in multiple I had it on my face, I had it all over, so I had to get oral medication. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, you can get creams or sprays 
And it's the same spray as you get for like athletes. For, oh, and jock itch. That's another one. Same thing. Different name. Jock itch, I'm okay with the name because all us fellas have been there. You're like, yeah, I've been there. Uh, but yeah, no, it, it's, uh, it's all the same stuff. Um, so there's sprays and creams and stuff like that. But it usually takes about a week to go away. And I noticed this on like Thursday. That's why I was like texting you because I've just, I've got literally like six different medications. So every hour I was putting more stuff on. I'm like, maybe I can kill this thing quick. And then I woke up Saturday morning like, I can't do that to Mo. I just can't. Because I was like, well, <laughs> Wait, I can put on How socks. do you know you have ring? Like, what does it look like? It just I don't starts. I think I've ever had it. Yeah, no, you probably, you may not have. Um, it's, uh, so this is something that you'll obviously know you'll, you have it. Well, not necessarily. I mean, it's, uh, it gets very itchy and it's usually circular, which is why they, I don't know. Again, a worm is not circular. A worm is like, like, I mean, unless it's in a, an enclosure, but whatever. It's like this circular <laughs> thing. Um, and it itches and it's, it's, it's not attractive looking. I mean, you can Google it. Um, but it's nothing dangerous. I mean, it's not, you're not going to die from ringworm. It's just, it causes repulsion in other people simply by the name <laughs> simply when you say it it sounds like you have an std or something like that so well, could i remember as a child and i never knew what this was but i remember as a child even when people said it they said it like they were repulsed they're like yeah. did you hear about johnny <laughs> he has ringworm it's yeah gross. yeah 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 i mean if people are not into um like grappling and stuff like that then they probably have very little exposure to it but in jujitsu like in different places i've been it, it it runs rampant from time to time because it's spread skin to skin and stuff like that. So, I mean, it's, it's going to be relatively easy. Not if you're wearing like, you know, well, you know what helps you protect against that is like robless rash guards. Robles. Yeah. I might not have been wearing robles a robles. Spats. I, might, I might not have been wearing my spats. That might, that might've been what happened. So mm. shame on me. Shame on me. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, that's what I'm, uh, you know, it's, it's all right though. Cause I think that, in my mind, the, the next couple of months are all about healing. Like, you know, I had my stem cells three and a half weeks ago. Hip actually feels a little better, a little better, sort of subtly better. So I'm just like, all right, this, and we're going to New Mexico in two and a half weeks. So when we're staying there for two and a half weeks. So in my mind, it's like the next like five, six weeks is like, this is healing time. It should be. Well, the you other thing. You don't want anything to mess up. That's the worst is you get like some small nagging injury right yeah. before you go on a vacation and it just takes away from it yeah this is mo's way of saying i ruined his uh his cruise because his neck pain was so bad <laughs> he horrible could... it was the and, most horrible but, but in, in my in my defense though is there really <laughs> such is there really such a thing as a good cruise vacation no, there's not. it sounds, no, there's it sounds not. awful all you did is make a bad experience even worse i did a... well, but if the very... look, i'll be honest with you like my kid uh, Yusuf had a blast, right? But like, how can you not, like, when you're that age, Yeah. like running all over and cheeseburgers yeah. and yeah. Uh, pools, but like, it's like, when I think about it now, I'm like, this is gross. I don't yeah. want to be, and, and I don't mean to sound snobby about it. No. It's just, I don't care if you're giving me like a high end cruise. I, I don't want to be. Never do a cruise. I couldn't, I, I couldn't do it. Do it. It's not because I'm not knocking anybody. Cause I got family members that I love and they love to do the cruise and, and, and I get it. And especially I'll tell you, the cruise is a great deal. If you have like, if you have a bunch of kids and yeah. it can be quite expensive. Yes. So taking a cruise is like, okay, you get a lot of bang for your buck. I get yes. that. Um, but you know, that's why Mo purposely had one child. 
Yeah. So uh, I don't have to no take more cruises. <laughs> it was. I mean, it's funny because we went to uh, about eight years ago. We went to a wedding in Tulum, Mexico, but we stayed in one of those like the wedding was at one of those all inclusive resort places, and it's like, man, I'm never doing that again. Like the, those things are like. Because to me, I almost start getting claustrophobic because it's like there's no you're just going to the same like they've got these little restaurants. You keep seeing the same people. And I'm like, I'm in Mexico. I want to see like Mexican stuff. And I'm yeah. saying there was one day that we went out into the actual city and like had some fajitas and did some things and whatever. And I'm like, this is nice. This is like what I pictured. But like yeah. what we had was just like. I just, I don't like that. Like, and to me, a cruise feels like that only worse. It's almost yeah, like it's a worse. hotel and you're just staying in the hotel the entire time. And like, I just don't like that. I like to yeah. go somewhere and that's why I love Airbnbs. Cause it's like, I want to stay somewhere in like a neighborhood and I want to, I want to really get the experience of what is it like to live in this place? Mm-hmm. Actually, this is something I want to talk to you about. Cause, um, uh, Brian Chesky, the guy who start one of the guys who started Airbnb, he's still the C, uh, the CEO of Airbnb. Mm-hmm. He decided that because there's a lot of people that are now essentially living in Airbnbs, they're t- people that work remotely, they're just traveling around to different places and staying in Airbnbs. So Chesky decided since this has become such a big thing, he's going to do this. So for the next year, he's staying in Airbnbs all over the world. Like that's all he's doing. He's just traveling and he's in, I think he's in Atlanta right now and he's staying at different places for like two or three weeks and then he's going somewhere else. And this is something that I think is becoming closer and closer to a reality for me and and Chantel in the coming years. Um, The twist that I would put on it is most likely we would like to own all the Airbnbs that we go to and set up. But it's that idea of, sort of being a nomad, uh, but, but I don't know what I would call this, like, you know, sort of an upscale nomad or what, you know, a fancy nomad, because I don't want to be like, oh, I'm just gonna have a backpack and just hit the world, bro. No, I'm not doing that. I'm not 25. Don't care. I want comfort. Yeah, I want certain things. It's like the glamping. You want to do some, you want to, you want to, you, you don't want to really camp because yeah. that's like, that's hard. I want to glamp wanna, except yeah, you indoors. <laughs> I want with like fancy stuff. And a good place to get some tea. And well, the, I mean, because we're thinking about so we're going to Santa Fe in a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. And this summer for me has broken me in terms of Texas. It's been too hot for too long. It's literally been like two and a half months of almost 100 degrees every day. We've had like no rain, we've had nothing. And I'm like, I just can't, I can't take it. I can't take another summer like this. And then I started thinking about it. I'm like, well, why would I? I don't have to, because for me, like the main thing is to check on jobs and things like that. And it's like, I've got enough people that I trust that I could do that. And then for Chantel, she, all her work is, is remote. So I'm like, we don't have to be here during the summer. And then, so I started thinking about it and I started, there was another guy that I like a lot who is more of an investor. He buys Airbnbs like all over the world. And he's like, yeah, we just move by season. He's like, it's uh, we're in Wyoming because it's it's uh, the winter. And we're skiing, and then we'll be in uh, North Carolina for like wakeboarding season. We've got he's got like this huge place there, and then somewhere else. So every season he's going somewhere else. And I, I don't know. I'm starting to think that might be that might be our future, and that might be starting next year. It might even start this year. So. 
I don't know. I guess it's sort of the idea of setting roots versus deciding, well, what is what do roots actually mean? You know what I mean? Because it's like more for me, if you have a certain number of people you know in a place and a certain amount of familiarity, maybe that's enough for a certain amount of time. Like when we go to Florida, my brother-in-law officially moved there last week. So now it's like we've got some potential roots there. I've already got a good commercial real estate broker guy that I've been emailing with and another guy who does a lot of Airbnb stuff that I might be able to find that. So it's like I've got my sort of business roots, family roots there already. But does that mean I have to stay there all the time? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Well, and then there's a, there's there it just might be changing, right? Like where it's not it's about being rootless, right? Because roots means like when you plant something, right? It's not yeah. going to you're not going to move it. It's it's roots are set in there and that's where it's yes. staying. Right. But but could something have could you have multiple plants then? You know what I mean? Like because it's it's almost like I feel like a lot of people are starting to redefine like the concept of living somewhere because it's and, and the reason I'm saying all this is I think this is a way to look at business and look at a lot of other things as well. Oh, 100 percent. I would, I would well, talk but in, this, in this scenario, you would be the plant, right? So I'd be the so, plant. So no. So you wouldn't you wouldn't have any roots. But that goes. But that's the thing. You're using first principle thinking. The first principle thinking would say. Well, they said that this is the way we've always done it, so that's the way we should always do it. Right. Maybe there's nothing wrong with not having roots, right? Yeah. Well, because I think about it, and I'm like, outside of you and a few like, why be planted anywhere, right? You can just question that whole thing. Yeah, exactly. I'm not a plant. There we go. I mean, and so I guess I think about this a lot because it's like, um, obviously with kids, I think this is more difficult. Not impossible though, but I think it's more difficult. But with when we had COVID and then you had sort of this huge influx of online learning, and then you also had a huge influx of, of homeschooling. Um, and then you had a huge influx of people working remotely. I wonder if the outcome of this is going to be a lot of people sort of starting this, this kind of upscale nomad lifestyle because when there's no longer an office to go to or no longer an office you're required to go to. And then even let's say if you did have kids, if they were being homeschooled or if they were learning remotely or whatever you want to say, then it's like, why do you need to be in one spot all the time? I mean, you kind of don't. I mean, no, it, you don't at all. It, so then it, then it's sort of like what. And I agree with in, in business. I, I think I was um, I put out a tweet the other day. I said there's three things that I look at for a business. I want to be able to start at under 10K. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to be able to make sure that I can run the business remotely yes. and I want something that's low liability. Right. And that's very subjective, but yeah, low liability. Um, I actually, I absolutely believe, uh, 100% that your business should be able to run remotely. Cause I think that the, the worst thing is to be tied down to a business because then the business becomes those golden handcuffs. You don't want that. Yes. Right. Um, now, when it comes to like personal living, here's where I th- here's where I fall on that. I fall on there is no right and wrong. There's simply what's right for you, yeah. right? And that and and that's that's what it all boils down to. Because I think there's some people that they have a much more like tr- like uh, you you can get it. It's a it's a it's a philosophical thing. And there's no right philosophy. So there's some people that are going to be like it's people are tribal, right? Yeah. And and you need to be tied down to like one tribe and have these roots and have family and have friends that are consistent. Um, and then there's going to be other people that are like, no, I'm completely happy 
moving from spot to spot, engaging with different environments and different people and different experiences. And that's what stimulates them. And I don't think either of them are wrong. I think it's just about, again, what we've always talked about. What is it at this point in your life that's going to make you the most happy? And then do that. That's it. That's all it boils down to. Yeah. And, and you know, it's because it's like you see this a lot when people retire. And, and I used to see this in the mobile home world a lot because a lot of mobile home parks also have RV sections. They're mobile home and RV parks. Mm-hmm. And what you would see is you'd see like seasonal, they'd call them snowbirds. There'd be people that would live in the East Coast and places like that. And they would come down to places like Texas uh, for the winter because it's hot in Texas all the time, apparently. So um, they would come down and you would see this. And this is an idea of like, okay, you're retired now. The kids are probably left. You're empty nesters. Let's get out and see the country or let's get out and see the world. Um, Somebody that you and I both are fans of, Steve Maxwell, is a guy who did this for a long time. He had a jiu-jitsu school in Philadelphia. And he was one of the first jiu-jitsu instructors in the United States. He was definitely the first one on the East Coast. Had this school, was married, had kids, all that kind of stuff. Gets divorced. The kids are grown up. uh, And he starts teaching seminars all across the country. So he's living in a little like RV type of thing. And then he starts getting uh, invites to do seminars all over the world. And at some point, he's like, man, I'm never even going back to this RV. So he just sells the RV. And then he's just basically a man of the world. And he did this for many years until, uh, for whatever reason, right before COVID, he actually decided to buy like a, a little tiny house up in Washington. But he did this for, for many years, just traveled around and really enjoyed the sort of, he was much more of a, a Spartan nomad. He literally had everything he could own in a backpack. He was, and he had like all these videos on like what type of clothes you should get. He's like, you gotta gotta get things that dry quickly that you can work out in, but they still look good enough that you can go to like a nice restaurant in. He had like this, these all these theories. He's like, I teach jitsu seminars, so I don't bring a gi. I just bring my belt, and they just lend me a gi. So he had like all these little little tricks on how to how to save space and save you know save weight and everything like that. Um, and I've always thought about that, and I'm like, man, that that to me that's too much. Like that's and plus I've got dogs and things like that. And, and so I always sort of wrote it off. But now I'm thinking there's a way to do that, but to do it a little bit more in style and then maybe to do it in a way that's making you money the whole time. And that's the concept of buying these different vacation rental properties in different spots that are making money. And then it's like for two weeks or two months or whatever it is you decide you want to stay there. OK, now it's not making you money, but. At the same time, you're not spending money staying somewhere else like you would be if you had to rent a place. Um, and it turns into kind of an interesting business structure because you can be at a place that's making you money while still working enough to make more money while you're doing this. And it's sort of an interesting way of capitalizing on different opportunities, different locations, and um, kind of bringing in different streams of income all while enjoying freedom. So. I really love that. Um, obviously, a, a selfish question has come up, and yes. uh, before I, before it slips in my mind, yes. uh, do you can you can uh, later on maybe uh, can you send me some examples if you know of any yeah. of websites where people so you know how you can list your Airbnbs on Airbnb, uh-huh. yep. but then some people have like a portfolio of yeah. Airbnbs and they have yep. their own 
website that they listed on. Do you have some examples of that you I can do. send me? Yep, two or I three? Yeah. It, it came up the other day. Someone was asking me that there, there's a there's a guy in Central Texas has a bunch of like hospital. He's in the hospitality business. He has some yeah. bread and be- breakfast. He has some uh, high end Airbnbs. And they mm-hmm. were wanting to, they were wondering if Quantum Leap could put together their website nice. so that people can just rent yeah. uh, from straight from the website. So yeah. he's still going to list everything on Airbnb. Yeah. But obviously he wants to drive more traffic to his personal website because yeah. he makes more money yes. and he creates a brand for himself. Yeah. Um, so I, if you could send me some examples. Yeah. And then we I'll, can, send, I'll send you on. The guy I have in Lubbock does that. Okay. And the reason why it's, this is sort of a good business tip for most people. It's always good to develop your own platform in whatever it is you're doing. The reason being is that something like Airbnb, they can just kick you off for various reasons. They're not particularly friendly to the host. Even though the host is kind of the backbone of what they do, they're always going to side with the guest over the host. And I've been in these situations before where you have to be on the phone for hours and do all these things. And I had video of people clearly violating our house where you could see them walking in with cigarettes lit and things like that. And it's like, they're clearly violating all our house rules. And it still took forever to get any sort of resolution from Airbnb. So, and the other thing too, is that for the most part, when you do these things, you don't get the guest's contact info. A smart man I was talking to, I believe it was last week, probably around this time, was talking about how a website is basically all about getting contact information. When you go through somebody else's platform, they have the person's contact info. And what that means is that if your place is booked up, they will recommend your competition's place or another place because they get money when somebody books somewhere. They don't care where that somewhere is. Mm -hmm. You, the owner of somewheres, do care. So if you get everything on your own platform, now you get the person's contact info, which means that you can reach out to them. Hey, you know, next time you come to town, we've got this special, we've got this, or hey, this new restaurant opened up right down the street from us, or or whatever marketing you would like to do. Or let's say you do have Airbnbs at a lot of the places. Like, hey, if you're ever in this place, I've got a great place for you. It's very similar in style to this other place. And, And you start creating your own customer base versus relying on the platform to bring you the customer base. And this is what makes me nervous about a lot of these people that are like YouTubers or TikTokers or whatever. It's in the name. It's in oh, the yeah. name because you're saying, oh, I'm completely relying on YouTube or TikTok or whatever it is. And all it takes is you saying something, the wrong thing or whatever it might be. And they can literally kick you off the platform. So to me, it's like the, the best business move is to create your own platform. And so What smart people do is they figure out ways to do this and ways to sort of let the person who's coming as an Airbnb know, like, here's my contact info, like ways to to sort of facilitate getting their customers' contact information so that now that they have it, not just the platform. And there actually are a lot of people leaving Airbnb, going to Verbo and and HomeAway and places like that, um, because those places tend to be a little bit fairer for the host. Um, even in my places in Lubbock, I'm noticing more and more, we're getting more and more bookings either direct or from Verbo and very few from Airbnb. So yeah, I think that a lot of that, that idea of creating your own site, creating your own thing, if you're in that business, um, even making it one idea that I had just sort of random thing was having like short-term rentals, like eight hours apart 
throughout the country. So you I, have I actually, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm no, no, sorry. what were going to say? No, because um, to me, it's such an important idea that um, if you don't have a brand, you don't have a business. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Here, here, here's what I mean by that. And 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 I'm going to tie this in, and it may be a little bit controversial. Some people might may get, oh, I like get upset, Good. but not controversial, but some people may get upset. Um, so uh, if you don't have a brand, you don't have a business. Nowadays, because we, I like the way we started this conversation, it was about living remotely, and we're able to do that simply because of technology, right? Technology allows us to work remotely, live remotely, do everything from anywhere in the world. And that and, and um, that's great that we have the opportunity uh, because even if you don't like that, well, you have a choice now, right? Before we didn't even have the choice. We, it wasn't even a possibility. Yeah. Um, but with that being said, uh, when, when you talk about everything nowadays, if you have a business and because it's remotely, you're, what you're selling, like there's no, there's, there's not a, there's, it's not a brick and mortar, right? Yeah. So you have something that's online so what you are selling is information. If somebody buys your business, they're buying basically your email list. Those are your clients. Like back in the day, it would be if you bought my business, I have a Rolodex of clients. And what you're buying is that Rolodex, right? Yeah. You're buying my existing clientele. Well, yeah. nowadays, that's considered your email list. Yeah. So you're building up uh, information, like selling. Everything is about information nowadays. And, it's a, and, and that's why people like Facebook have gotten in trouble because – what they do is they illegally take your information, right? I mean, that's the claim that they illegally take your information so they know how to sell to you. Yeah. What, what you're going to do different on your website is you're going to you're, you're going to legally do it by asking yeah. them, hey, yeah. can you voluntarily give me your information? And in yes. return, I'll give you some discount or I'll give you this free download or whatever it is, right? There's some yes. reciprocity um, there. But what I mean by if you don't have your own brand, you don't have a business, um, anytime – it's like you said, if you don't have your own platform, then you're just supporting someone else's business. So if you're yeah. on Airbnb, you don't have your own brand. All you're doing really is you're supporting Airbnb's business, yeah. right? And where I see this happen is in jujitsu. Yes. People, there's a lot of jujitsu schools. They don't have their own brand, yes. right? And I'm not, and I don't know where to stand on this because I believe in mentorship. I think it, I really believe that um, uh, it can really help you. But what yeah. I hate, I'll give you a perfect example. This is the one that I really, really hate. It, it, it bothers me so much. And when people do it, and it's not because I own a gi business, but it's I see it because I own a yeah. gi business. Yeah. So, um, people, you could have um, Rick's Jiu-Jitsu school, right? Yeah. And Rick is not allowed because he's affiliated with whoever he's affiliated with. He's not allowed to have his own gi. Yeah. He has to wear – so let's say he's in your affiliation, Carter's Jiu-Jitsu yeah. Academy. Yes. He has to wear – you put a stipulation that because he's an affiliate, he yeah. has to wear Carter's Jiu-Jitsu Academy. Yeah. So so yeah. he he has his own business, but the whole time he's promoting your business. Exactly. exactly. I, that pisses me off. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, Jiu-Jitsu is notorious for that, and it's, it's funny because it does that, and yet it is so full of it when it comes to that. Because you could take whatever it is. There, there are definitely schools out there where they will only allow their students to wear like one brand of gi because they're sponsored by that gi. And then like two years later, they get sponsored by somebody else. So now it's everyone's got to switch gis to another brand. So you're not being loyal. You're just being loyal to whoever's paying you the most money, whoever's giving you the best opportunity. And as soon as that changes, then it changes. And what's frustrating about that from the consumer point of view is that it just feels like a money grab because it basically is. And when you're the one who is 
giving the money for somebody else to grab, it starts making you bitter. And we see this in jujitsu as well with, with like affiliations where, I mean, there's somebody that I know decently well who's affiliated with somebody who I don't like. I don't like the guy. He's loud, he's cocky, he's annoying. Like every time he comes to town, I'm like, okay, cool. I'm not going to go in this week to wherever place it is that I'm talking about. And I don't understand the point of affiliations for the most part because students go to you, to the brand, you, the school owner, the brand that you have created. And that's 99% of the students. This sort of jujitsu fantasy that like, oh no, we're an affiliate by this guy who won some tournaments that nobody went to, that no one cares about. So that's our dude and we have to be loyal to him. It's, it doesn't exist. Like it, I, I guarantee you, you go to any affiliate school, you ask 90% of the students, they have no idea who that person is. That guy could walk through the door, they wouldn't even know who he is. And even if he did, they wouldn't care because they don't go to that school for whoever that person is. They go for the person who's actually there. And the problem is, is that again, people change affiliations all the time. And it's like, oh, I'm under this guy now. And it's like, no, you're not. Like you never, like show me what you actually learned from this guy. It's usually like a couple things. And then they come in and they do seminars because it's a money grab. It's a money grab for this person doing this thing. And the reason, what I liked is you said, you talked about mentorship. Now there can be mentorship in terms of how to teach and maybe how to run a school. But I don't see that very often with these affiliations. I see it as essentially, you've got an organization like the IBJJF that is essentially sort of strong-armed mafia style into deciding how promotions are gonna be given in rules that they literally just made up over the last 10 years. And because of that, they've made it so people have to be affiliated with somebody who is IBJJF certified for a certain amount of time, which costs you like four or 500 bucks per year, by the way. Not saying it's about the money, but it ain't free. Um, and so they do all these things so that somebody can be certified. And, and the reason I think it's crap is that, you know, I got my black belt from a Carlos Machado black belt. At that time, Carlos Machado had already been a black belt for probably 25, 30 years, 13 years ago. He's probably been a black belt for over 40 years now. And he wasn't IBJJF certified. So my black belt was not registered, you know, recognized. Oh, well, your black belt's worthless. Had so, I known this, well, I would have never. It's kind of, kind of embarrassing, right? I mean, you want to shut the podcast <laughs> off right now. So it, it's just one of these things that it's like, so it's not about anything. It's about money. It's about all these different things. It's, it, it's not about legitimacy. And the reason why I think this is something that school owners should know is when you realize all this stuff is sort of BS and made up, then it's up to you to write your own story. And that's what we're talking about. That's what really writing your brand is. It's writing your own story. Yes. And, and what could be done in jujitsu and to me is not done often enough is if you take certain markets that people are like, oh, this market's saturated. There's so many schools. Okay. But who are you for? Because the mistake I see a lot of schools doing is like, we're, we're for everybody. Well, if you're for everybody, you're really for nobody. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like people want to feel like this is why I have my idea of we've called it executive. We've called it middle-aged jujitsu. We've called it jujitsu for old dudes. We've called it for different things, but there's a lot of us out there and we're gaining numbers every day, baby. Every day. <laughs> All you people born in like 1985, every day that goes like, by, no way, bro. Literally. Hey, 40s around the corner. So, you know, and, and so that's, that to me is a huge demographic.
that's not being specifically serviced. Yes. You know, so there's different things that you could do. And that's what branding really is, is this deciding who are my customers? Because when you're just like, oh, it's for everybody, it's like, well, that's a huge question to answer yeah. for any business. And a yes. lot of times that question is answered. If you start working with a marketing team, one of the first things they're going to ask you is give me the demographics, right? Like, let me know who your ideal customer is. Yes. I want to know gender. I want to know age. I want to know where they're from. I want to know what, what they're about. What are their hobbies yes. and interests? Because you want to know who exactly you're selling to, because you're right. If you're trying to sell to everybody, then you're really selling to no one. And yes. what I really think about jujitsu where it gets it wrong and it's probably because they're so far behind, right? Like you look at something like Taekwondo and yeah. these karate schools that they're really like making a ton, a ton of money. Jiu-Jitsu is so far behind, right? Yeah. Um, and they're trying to copy, like a lot of these jujitsu guys, they go to these Taekwondo and karate seminars to learn yeah. how they're doing it. Yeah. And how I think it should be done is this. So there's really two paths to take when you're starting, when, when, when you wanna get into business. Not necessarily, not real estate, but, but like you wanna, you wanna own a business. And the two paths are are, are, are these. Number one, um, you can create your own brand, right? And that's usually, I'll tell you the people that create, they end up creating their own uh, brand. They're, it's someone that doesn't want, first of all, you absolutely know that usually people that get into business, they get into business because they don't want to take, uh, they don't want to have a boss. Yeah. So understanding that when you are in, in an affiliation or if you're in a franchise, you still yeah. have a boss. Absolutely. There's going to be rules that are set and you got to yep. follow those rules if you want to yep. stay within the, the that organization. Yeah. <clears throat> um, so people that start their own brand and they don't affiliate with anyone or they don't franchise out. Um, it's, that's probably one of the main reasons, right? Like they want to, they want to, they want to be the captain of the ship and they want to make all the rules and they don't want to listen to what anybody has to say. And, and that's it. Um, and also a lot of times I see the people that choose that path, the path of not being affiliated or not being franchised, they have more experience as an entrepreneur. Yeah. Yeah. Where, where I think jujitsu should be right. Like how I would like to see it done. Like you can either create your own brand, which is what's what Mo, if Mo was ever going to get into the jujitsu school business, which I have no plans of doing. <laughs> Um, but if I was ever going to do it, it would be creating my own brand because yeah. I have enough experience as an entrepreneur. I know, yeah. I, I feel confident in my ability to grow a community and to grow yeah. a brand. I, I know how to go about doing that. And especially, uh, uh in a local level, yes. um, be able to do that and just blow that out the water. But, but let's say you're a guy and that you're about to retire and jujitsu is your passion and you've always dreamed of owning a business, but you're not an entrepreneur. Yeah. I think taking the franchise route is for you 100%. The the the, the problem is, is that in the jiu-jitsu world, they don't do it franchise style. So I'll give you an example. If when I say franchise, I mean like let's say you, like you went with Chick-fil-A. Well, if you go to Chick-fil-A, Chick-fil-A is going to be like, okay, I'm taking 5 or 7% every month, right? But in return, I'm going to show you how to hire. I'm going to give you the exact questions we ask. I'm going to give you our payroll. I'm going to set up your website. I'm going to do all of your marketing. Yeah. You're, you're getting the complete package because basically when you, when, when you sign up for a franchise, you're basically saying, I want you to hold my hand every single day because yeah. I don't really know anything about business. Mm -hmm. If I knew about business, then I wouldn't need the franchise. But that's not what happens with affiliations. No. And that's what's supposed to happen, right? Like, forget, yeah. just don't even call it affiliation anymore. No. Just say it's a franchise, right? So, like, whatever, whoever you are, if it's um, Art of Jiu-Jitsu, 
I decide like today, if I wanted to wake up and I'm like, okay, I want to open a jujitsu school, but I know nothing about a biz business. Let me go to art of jujitsu and see if they have uh, franchise opportunities. Right. Right. Just yes. the way you would a Chick-fil-A. Uh -huh. And there would be, a, you go to the website, you click on the link, want to be, want to own one of our art of jujitsu franchises here in Texas yeah. and sign up for the, for the call and yeah. boom. But what I get in return is they're going to show me how to run this business. Yes. They're going to show me how to hire. They're going to, they're going to set up the website. They're going to do all the marketing for me. And, and I think that's, I think that's a very good way for a lot of people that don't know anything about business to get into business. But like I said, the problem with jujitsu is it's not done like that. It's no. pretty much you pay me this, the, the way I understand it, the way yeah. I've seen it over the last 10 years yeah. is, um, I'm going to basically, you're going to pay me money and I'm going to, um, uh, once in a while, I'm going to come and give a seminar and then I'll promote some of your people. Yeah, that's the thing. It's, it's money for promotion. That's all it is. And, and it's like you get it a lot with people where, you know, let's say just completely hypothetically, I'll pick a town. Um, we'll take Austin, Texas, for instance. And let's just say that there's not a lot of people teaching jujitsu at this point, And maybe one guy is teaching and he's um, just criminally insane and a sociopath. And you decide, hey, I don't want to be under this guy anymore but I still want to get my black belt. What shall I do? Well, this is where people would affiliate. And it's basically like, Hey, stranger who I don't know, who clearly wants more money. How about I pay you money, put your little emblem on my door. You come to a seminar. We pretend that we're better friends than we are. And you give me that black belt and I get my little certificate. And then maybe I come out to see you every once in a while. You come out to see me and there we go. But it's like that's all it is. It's money for promotion. And but I, I think it goes back like to what you said, right? Like a I IBJJF kind of put the kind of established all of this where you have to do that yes. because or else you won't get a black belt from someone who's certified. And I guess what yes. what does that mean? You can't you can't compete in IBJJF yeah, or something? That, that's I think the, the basic yeah, I think that's the bottom line on it. And it's like So I they kind of force them into this, right. they make them a they, they make them an offer they can't refuse. Yeah, exactly. And I think a lot of it was because back in the late 90s, early 2000s, um, you had John Lewis, who uh, he fought in the UFC a couple times, but he fought in extreme fighting. He was out of Las Vegas and he got his black belt pretty fast. And then he was giving black belts to other Americans like the, the Inouye brothers, Ensign and Egan Inouye. He gave his black belt to Mark Lehman back in like 2000 and a bunch of other people. And the Brazilians didn't like this because they didn't like Americans giving other Americans black belts. And then when Mark Lehman got his black belt, he gave other people black belts. All those black belts were super good. Mark was super good. Like the, the skill level was there, but they, they didn't like it. So they started creating these, oh, we well, have to be a black belt for six years before you can give someone else a black belt. And it's like, well, that these rules didn't apply at all before then. But they started, and it's like, you started doing this for the, the sort of appearance of authority and all that kind of stuff. But to me, the problem with all that is now you get these affiliations with these silly things, you know? So yeah, it's, it's, um, I feel like it is sort of a little mafioso type of thing and it creates all these disingenuous relationships. And I, I'm, I'm just here to say that I don't think that most students care. And this is why I like something that, um, the guys at the jujitsu globetrotters did with belt checker, beltchecker.com. I'm on beltchecker.com. Uh, basically, that's a that's a website where you can enter and you can put in your details and say, these are the belts I got and these are who I got it from when. And then people vote on it. And so I put my stuff up uh, maybe a couple of years ago at this point and 
people that I knew from LA or this guy, Manny Galvan, I knew we got our black belts together, like different people voted on it. So I got my official third degree black belt thing from them, like, you know, three or four years ago, whenever it was. And like, to me, that's good enough because it's a lot of people that I've trained with over the years from all over the country who are like, oh yeah, I've trained with this guy. He's legit versus some dude who I don't even know who I paid money to is now saying that I'm legit and that's supposed to be more legit than people that have actually <laughs> known you and trained with you. Like I'll take the belt. And the reason I like it is because then it's like, I've given away two black belts, Colby Martin and, and BT. And to me, it's like anybody who doubts their legitimacy, go take that belt off. Them. Go ahead. Any kind of thing you want to gee, no gee, you want to fight the MMA. Good luck to you. Good luck. Whoever you are on this planet. Good luck. So it's to me, that's what it should be. And I know that for people that want to compete in tournaments and blah, like, okay, I get it. Cause the mafia has, has sort of taken that over sort of, they haven't taken over the no gi part, but they've taken over the gi part. But to me, it's like, it's taken away from the legitimacy of something by turning it strictly into a financial transaction. And I think if more people would rebel against that and say, that's stupid, that's irrelevant. Like I'm going to do this my way. And if my students are happy and if the ones who are competing are doing well in competition, I'm producing good quality students. I don't care what you say. And it will, and it, and yeah. I, and it will happen because that's yeah. what, that's what typically happens is right. Is and we call that in business, we call it disruption yes. where people finally say, Hey, it's first principle thinking all yep. over again. It's like, Hey, why are we doing it this way? Well, because that's the way it's always been always done. Been done. Nah, yeah. there's a better way to do it. And yeah. right. That's how you went. You went from having taxis to Ubers, right? Yes. You have this yeah. disruption yeah. that takes place. And yeah. so that's definitely happened to Nogi. And, and, and I love that. Um, hey, which, which uh, reminds me, did you see the uh, Gordon Ryan Felipe? Uh, did see that match. It's funny. I feel like I'm kind of eating my words from what I said about that. That was a week ago, wasn't it? Yeah. It was kind of yeah. What, what did you say about that? I just said I thought Gordon was going to run through him. And, okay, so let me ask you this. Yeah. So I, I, you know, I don't, you just don't know. So I, so it, everybody that was watching that match was thinking, "Holy smokes, uh, Felipe's holding his own here, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, super hard to pass his guard, all yeah. this." Yeah. Um, and then uh, Gordon comes out and says, and and. I just don't know if it's true or not, but a part of me believes that it might be true, but a part, right. other part of me believes like, nah, I don't know. Um, part of me believes, well, what he tried to say is that like his whole strategy was to get him to the hour mark yeah. and then really just run through him, right? Yeah. Like take him into yeah. this deep water. Yeah. The reason why I sort of believe it is because there was there 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 was that moment in the match where Danny Hurst like, hey, we're at the 30 minute mark. Yeah. You know, and, and he verbally says it and, yeah. and Gordon looks up at the clock and he's looking at the time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. OK. Um, but also, like, how can you pretend not to be passing? Yeah, that's the thing. You know so, what I mean? How can you pretend yeah. not to be passing? Like, you, you, you know I what know. I mean? Like, I'm just. Yeah, I, I didn't I didn't get that part. So here, here's, I guess, the way I would sort of present now, it. One real quick thing, though. I will say this. I am 100 percent in agreement that as soon as the the quitting because a lot of the comments were like okay well you know how come felipe didn't make any and i and i and and i don't think i've ever really watched too much felipe but man i am a fan of his like yeah, he's even good. though he, he's really good yeah even though he he you know whatever he verbally tapped i get yeah. it but dude you cannot take away the fact that he is yeah. an elite level like yeah. next level really. but yeah. As soon as Gordon passed, so like he, there was no complaints. 
Yeah. And then as soon as Gordon passed, it was like, okay, I'm done. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And, so. and so I got a couple of theories about this. Um, number one, how does one carry a fight? So the example that you and I have talked about in the past was when Floyd Mayweather boxed Conor McGregor. And you have a different set of eyes for boxing than I do. I can watch boxing and enjoy it and be like, oh, he's, he's doing this, he's doing that. But I've never fought, and I'm, I'm certainly not a bot. No one's ever going to be like, is that guy a box? No. Um, you have fought. Mel was actually fifth in the country. Oh, my God. I don't know if I've ever mentioned this on the podcast. I probably never have. But um, so you're looking at it from, from more of an expert's eyes. And what you said at the time was you thought it looked like Floyd was carrying that fight. And what I think you meant by it was he was letting Connor look better than Connor actually was by not really offering much offense in the beginning, by not by letting him not letting him like hit him cleanly or whatever, but sort of studying what he was doing and not offering much resistance at first because he wanted to see the patterns and wanted to see things and then slowly started picking things up. And by that seventh or eighth round, whenever the fight was stopped, Connor was I think mainly stopped because he was tired and he was getting hit a lot. Like, I mean, they stopped the fight. Connor didn't get knocked down. Had it gone on, Connor probably would have been knocked down at some point, but it wasn't like he was getting flush knocked out. It's that I'm exhausted. I've given him everything I could. And clearly <laughs> today is not the day this is going to work. You know what I mean? Like that, that feeling of like, this dude's just better than me and he's not tired and I'm tired. I'm going to absorb some strikes and make it look That's light. what I feel I like know. every day in jiu-jitsu. Right. So it's like <laughs> with, with Gordon and, and Felipe, it's like, well, how do you carry somebody in a grappling match? Because Gordon has looked so incredibly dominant in his last however many competitions where it's like, dude, he's not even – these guys are so far below his level that this this – doesn't even this i feel like this is how it look if if i was training with him he would just be kicking my i you know how much worse can you get your ass kicked with felipe i mean that dude is first of all physically they're they're literally the same size i think they were half a pound apart in weight and they're the same height um felipe has beaten gordon twice legitimately and felipe is just stylistically, I think is a hard matchup by the way that he entangles the legs into that 50-50 game. Um, but he doesn't go for leg locks. He just tie, ties the legs up a lot. So I think sort of stylistically, that was a difficult match for him. Um, but it's hard to say because, yeah, I watched that being like, man, Gordon's having a hard time with him. Yeah, um, because if, if Gordon was carrying the match, why wouldn't he have done what he did in the match? What was the – who did he fight before that? The, the – um, the, God, what was that guy's name? Um, the one he just had like a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I can't yeah, remember did, his did, name. Either. Did he try? He tried the uh, the smother. The smother choke. Yeah, he just the smother he choke, was, right? Was, yeah, like why wouldn't he have done the same thing and just let you know, just continue try to smother him and smother him and smother and right. torture him, right? Like you yes. don't have to tap him, but why wouldn't why wouldn't you have done that? And it just I don't I, know. I don't think he I don't think he could. I mean, like I I really don't think he could. But it doesn't mean that Gordon wasn't better. But he's not that much better the way he was with some, some of those other guys where he's just so much better that. And, you know, isn't that the funny thing, right? When you're the best in the world, people start to judge things like instead of instead of like saying Gordon's better, it actually brings more attention to the opponent. Uh -huh. Right. They're like, oh, man, that guy was really good because he was hanging in there with yeah. with Gordon. Yeah. 
So yeah. it, it, it actually like it, it's hard being the number one guy. It always is. You have everything to lose yeah. and nothing to gain ever. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a weird thing because, you know, I'll tell you from this is going to sound hopefully not too douchey, but from personal experience of being like a black belt, maybe at a new school or, you know, an older black belt or, or whatever you want to say, um, there is a, a weird pressure that maybe it's just self-imposed, but but that I felt at different times where, because like, you know, I'll be training with somebody and then I'll hear like later, a couple of days later, oh, so-and-so said you were having a hard time with this guy or he was oh doing this God. or whatever. And it's like, well, that's sort of what was happening, but sort of not what was happening in, in my mind. Maybe it was, and I'm just trying to justify it. Like, no, I was just working on tapping, man. And I mean, I just, I, I got better at it. <laughs> I felt uh, like I did like, pretty good that day. Yeah, I felt like I was working on getting my ass kicked. Mission get, accomplished. What's the old Ron White thing? He's like, I don't know how many it was going to take to kick my ass, but I knew how many they were going to use. So, um, yeah, I mean, but there, there definitely is that, that pressure of like, okay, you've got to look a certain way. You've got to perform a certain way. Um, I think we will know if they meet up again in like an Abu Dhabi rule set, something where there is a shorter time. Well, ADCC, I think, is very possible for them. It to is meet. possible. Yeah. And that, that would be. I mean, I think they're, they're definitely got to be the number one and number two, right? Yes. Yes. But I think we're also missing an opportunity to crap on somebody else, too, which is flow sports, because these guys have a problem that I think they've reached. Which is you ever heard of the uh, the Peter principle? Do you know what that is? No. The idea is that people rise to the level of their own incompetence is what it's called, and you see this with people, but you also see this with companies. And I think that with Flow, they may have risen to a level where it's like they are just not capable of going to the next level. And what I mean is like this was supposed to be like the biggest grappling event of the year. It started ninety. Nine zero, an hour and a half late, where you just have commentators trying to like make a oh well today's thing is going to be so exciting like an hour and a half late, and then this is the second time they've done this where like our main event or our co-main event is going to be a no time limit submission only. You are never going to take jujitsu to the next level of popularity by doing this. I think I know what they're. I, I was telling, uh, talking to Sally about this. I think yeah. I, I and I told her, and I make this prediction now. I know. I think I know what their whole play is. Their whole play, th and I believe this without a doubt. Yeah. But I could be terribly wrong, and if I am, I lose nothing. And that, <laughs> isn't that the great thing about making a prediction exactly. on the internet, right? That's like, true. You can just say whatever the hell you want and don't have to be right, and nobody exactly. ever does. Like, um, <laughs> But the I, I would imagine that their whole play is to end up selling flow grappling to like an ESPN or something that's, like that's, that for that's a so freaking funny. billion exactly dollars. Yeah, right? I, I, I think that is the play. But the because they because is it it's it's a play right out of Mark Cuban's playbook. Yes. Mark yeah. Cuban made all his money because he basically bought sports streaming to yep. the internet. He did. That's true. And now they pretty much have bought brought um you know sports uh, they, they they've taken that to another level. That's yeah. for sure. They've yeah. taken complete sports streaming to yep. another level with Flow yep. Sports. They have. Um, and uh, I would imagine, you know, someone like ESPN or someone would come in and, and, yeah. and buy them out. But but you're absolutely right. Um, the commentating is, eesh. the interviews are, yeesh. It's, and it's, uh, it, it's, it's uh, what are the kids nowadays saying, cringe? It's, yeah. it's terrible, man. It's terrible. 
and I, and I, it's not to to crap on them in terms of well, maybe it is, but I just think they've le- reached the level of their competence or their well, level. Well, of their little, yeah, a little bit is because look, um, I mean, I don't I don't know what their numbers are, right? Like in in uh, um, and my hats off to them. I mean, they've that's uh, they they have an enormous amount of success, and I and I'm yeah. I'm, I'm certain that they're. They're very, very profitable, and maybe they're very profitable because they run the model the way they run it. But like, dude, reinvest some of that, some of those, some of that money back into the business, right? Yeah. Like, streaming better, um, uh, get yeah. people in there that get that can really know. Like, their 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 uh, niche is giving interviews. Yeah. Uh, their niche is commentating. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, it's it, it's got a lot of it's got a lot of places, and the thing, the problem that I see is that. I don't see them capable of doing that. Like, who are they going to learn it from? So, like, like what I mean is that, like, the UFC. So, I've been watching the UFC since 1995. So it's like you watched it back in the day, and they tried a lot of different things. And they tried bringing in like mainstream people to be ambassadors, and it kind of fell on its face and fell on its face. And then you got the Fertitta brothers that bought it in 2001, and they had real money to put into it, and so. You had that happen. Then you had in 2005, you had the deal with Spike for the Ultimate Fighter. The finale was Forrest Griffin and Stefan Bonner, and that was a hugely popular fight. And that kind of brought them to the next level. And then a few years after that, they got the Fox deal, and that was, okay, now we're on sort of mainstream television. And that brought sort of a type of professionalism. But I think you're right with Flo. The, the idea is to sort of sell it at some point. But the thing is, is like they still need to get it to another level. And you do that by creating story and by creating drama and all this. And you can't have drama in an hour long jujitsu match. Mm-mm. Like it's just, it's too long. And, and I don't, don't get me wrong. I understand the purity of it and this, you know, two men enter, one man leave and blah, blah, blah. But here's where I think they're falling on their face. When you watch the ADCC trials, holy crap, those matches are good. That's what I'm saying. I, that's exactly long. what I was going to say. They should use that rule set. They should because they, there's a sense of urgency. The guys who win that tournament, the Keith Krikorian and all that, it's like, man, dude, that is a hell of a tournament to win. Every match, there's a sense of urgency. And then it's like, so now we have <laughs> now we have the, the actual match itself, which is really good. Now what we need to do is we build up the story behind it. Why are these guys competing? Felipe and Gordon's an easy home run because of this backstory. But when your product is like, like we're we're cutting a not even good trailer for a movie that's way too long. That it's like you watch this movie and you're like, man, did no one bother editing this thing? It's like there's no, there's it's not it's not a good final product. Well, dude, check so, this out. Remember, remember the one before that? There was the uh, man. What was that? Where that was uh, the, the who's next thing? Where it was an hour and or it was two hours they long. They had to take them off the mat and do mat. it somewhere else. Yeah. So you tell me when you have not even I, I immediately got on. And started looking at the social media stream. Even the jujitsu purist, you're yes. like your number one jujitsu nerd who lives yeah. for jujitsu and yeah. who wears the t-shirt that says yeah. jujitsu saved my life. Yeah. Even he was saying this sucked. Yeah. Like who wants to watch that? So yeah. how are you ever going to get it never, to the mainstream? You're, you're never you're going not. to. You're never like, going to. And not, like somebody's know. girlfriend is not going to watch that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's and it's it's one of those things that I can understand the argument of like, well, jujitsu is just never going to reach mainstream, and nor should it. And, and there's something to be said for that. But then, what are we doing with all that? You know what I mean? Like, then why are we having it broadcast and commentated and whatever? It's like 
the goal is only to get it here. It's like, well, then what are we doing? Like versus if the goal is really to get it to the next level, then the actual rule set and the actual product needs to be different. And then the people that are creating that story need to do that differently. Because right now it's like, you're just trying to create interest in something where it's just not there. And you've got a bunch of people that are just, the only people that are watching this are jujitsu people. So it's like, stop with the production and then this, that. You don't need any of that stuff then. Like you don't need these interviews and stuff like that when it's literally like a little sports thing in Dallas where there's like, I don't know what, a hundred people there. It wasn't like this huge pack. And you're seeing that you're seeing some smaller uh, venues and all they're doing is they're getting on their own YouTube channel and they're streaming their own events. And it's like, just do it that way then. Cause to me, it's like, now you save the cringe factor of like guys in tuxedos interviewing a jujitsu guy, which no one wants to hear. What are are you going to say? Like, I really plan on strangling him, but a foot locked him instead, bro. And it's cool. (laughs) Like there's not the same drama that's going to be with MMA anyway. And it's like, why bother? Like, to me, it's like, it's like you've got two choices, either try and go mainstream or let's just go back to making entertaining grappling rather than starting an event an hour and a half late, having matches that are two hours long and like doing things that are just ensuring that nobody, except like you said, the most jujitsu, I've been doing jujitsu for almost 30 years. I still can't watch all that stuff. No, the nerds were like, no, some of the comments were like, they just said jujitsu back like 10 years. They did. There any comments like that. Like this is never going to be mainstream. Because to me, it's Um, like you you show the Abu Dhabi trials, you show that tournament, you show that was really great. I I, I mean, I think really good stuff. ADCC, um, man, every match, every match we we enjoy. Here's the problem though. When you, when you have the actual ADCC, it's not those rules. It's like way longer matches and there's no points for the first five minutes. And there's all this stuff that like, again, kills the viewing potential versus the actual tournament to get there is way more fun than the actual there when there's there there. And it's like, well, why is that? Why would you do that? Because now you're killing viewership. And again, if you don't care, cool, we'll just have this hardcore thing. Well, let's just have guys training in the gym. I like watching that stuff. But if we're trying to make it an actual sport, then let's make it an actual sport. Like it's like it's just these two things where it's like there's so many different rules and there's so many things. But it's yeah, like, or rather, if you're trying to make it an actual business, right? I mean, yeah, that's the thing. That's the thing. And, and they're treating right it, now. Yeah, you have a product that, no, that that the average person doesn't want to buy. They're treating it like a hobby. They're treating their business like a hobby. That's what it is. And you and I have talked about this many times. And this is like infuriating. And you see this in jujitsu school owners all the time, where it's like. You're treating your business like a hobby. You're thinking your business is just, I'm going to hang out all day and I'm going to train and it's going to be fun with my friends. And it's like, cool, you should go to a school where that happens, or you should start an open mat club where once a day you have open mat, but you should not open up a school thinking that's what it's going to be because you're going to go bankrupt. And that's, I think, what frustrates you and I as being business owners and, and wanting businesses to be run the right way. And then you're seeing something, you're like, well, what is this? Is this just for people already in the business, then you don't need all this production. In fact, all this production turns off a lot of the people that are, would watch this anyway, the bad streaming and you know the, the silliness of their copyright stuff of that adds to the dislike as well. But it's like, oh no, we're trying to make this something else. Well then be honest with yourself and say, we've got to create a product that's fun, that's watchable, that my wife might want to see, that Sally might want to see. Because right now, if I want Chantel to fall asleep, 
I will show her that. There you stuff. go. And you know, and the way you do that is is you start to bring in people that aren't jujitsu people. That's the right? thing. That's, that's the problem. Right. They're they're yeah. trying to fill all the slots with jujitsu people. Yes. You know who's commentating? Who? Yes. No, you you don't have to do all that. Yeah. You bring yeah. in people that they don't have anything. To, I'll give you one of the best examples. Is uh, when I was talking to um, uh, when we were talking to some franchises uh, for paint companies. Yeah. Um, one of the questions was uh, that I asked. I was like, "Do I have to bring in someone specifically that knows paint in order to be a sales rep?" Yeah. And he was like, absolutely not. You just want yeah. the best salesman person in the world. Yeah. He goes, the greatest salesman can sell anything. You just got to give them a good system, something to yeah. work with. And that's who you want. Yeah. Sometimes the guy that knows all about paint will never be able to sell any yeah. paint. Yeah. And that's what's happening now. You got guys that know everything about jujitsu, but they yeah. cannot sell jujitsu to the masses. Yes. So bring in a really great salesman and let, and let them rip. Get, bring yeah. in about three, four of them and let them yeah. take over some of this production stuff, um, yeah. some of the interview and commentating stuff. Yeah. And and see what happens, but I, absolutely uh, the rule set. You gotta you gotta create a rule set that is very fun and and, and, yeah. and exciting. Yeah, you and know, people want to see people want to see uh, just action. That's it. It's as yeah. simple as that. Want to see yeah. action? Yeah, not the opposite it, of action. Yeah, to me, it's like this <laughs> idea of like the purest of like, well, all that matters is the submission, and it's like, well, at a certain point, why? Uh, because it's like, well, what are we doing? And it's like, well, you know. Alio Gracie did this and that. And it's like, okay, well, that was supposedly for a fight. And there's a lot of these things where it's like, you could have got, you could have pounded this dude in the face a million times. Um, but the guy got the submission after an hour and a half. It's like, well, then did he, I, I don't know. I just don't, I don't it's think. It's the same it, reason we people watch the heavyweights, right? Like in boxing. Cause they yeah. want, you, you might not know, you don't have to know anything about boxing, but you know that these, these two big guys at any time, if they land clean, someone can get knocked out. Yeah. And that I will pay to see. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that what what kind of person that makes me, but a lot of people will pay to see that, and yeah. so, uh, you know, that's inter that's what people want to see. They want to see yeah. people get knocked out. They want to yeah. see people get choked out, and yeah. they want to see some. You know, what's great about the ADCC trials is um, that aggressive that it that it encourages that aggressive wrestling. Yes, it does. Right? It that, does. Um, the constant scrambling, trying yep. to get on top, and yep. and and and, and um, not stalling. Yeah, that's that's the real thing. I think they need to they need to enforce strict stalling things because in wrestling you can't take a step backwards without getting called for stalling. And if they would create the sense of urgency that you have in collegiate or international wrestling and have it with submissions and have the you know six minute time limit or whatever it is, dude, you got yourself a fun, exciting sport to watch because wrestling is fun to watch. But if you had wrestling with submissions, that's more fun to watch. Um, like, I, and I think that that is the argument I would say is that's way more applicable for fighting. It's way more applicable for going into MMA because there's only five minute rounds in MMA. So it's like, why not gear the grappling towards that? It's much more user friendly. It's more applicable for fighting situations because this idea of like, oh, I'm, no, I'm training for a no time limit fight. Who's ever going to have that? Every street fight I've ever seen is like 30 seconds or less before things get pulled apart or this or that, or the popo comes or, you know, whatever, you know, I mean, like it's, it's, they're short. So that, I don't know. I think it's, I just think it's sort of a, that is not going in the right direction, but they're not calling me up, asking me advice. And uh, that's okay. That's not really my business anyway, but if, uh, yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, but it you. is my business because I pay the monthly subscription. Yeah, that's true. Platform. I do too. I do too. It's my business. Yeah, that's true. You're right. <laughs> I am. I'm like a shareholder. 
That's true. You are. <laughs> Plus, you you live. They live. They're located in Austin. So hey, I'm gonna. Uh, they're probably listening right now, or they're probably they're probably not. But if they were, they're like all of a sudden my subscription to Flow Grappling yeah. is gonna be down. So like yeah. revoked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're off the list. You know yeah. What? Uh, <laughs> we don't want his money. You've been flagged. So. <laughs> you keep your ten dollars. I don't. I forget how much it is, but. Something like that. It's it's yeah. enough that they they <laughs> should. You think about it. Like Netflix is fifteen bucks a month, and, and to me, my Netflix streaming or. Hulu streaming or whatever is basically impeccable all the time. I can watch a whole movie or whatever, but flow, it's like, can't get through like one event with things out freezing out and there's ads all the time. And I'm like, man, I'm not quite sure what I'm getting for this. Um, so, you know, we've covered a lot of topics today. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know what they should do? They, what they need to do is uh, call up old Mark Cuban in Dallas. Yeah. Um, have him um, uh, be an investor yeah. Uh, and flow grappling. Yeah. Um, and he, I mean, I'm sure he would have all the tech stuff down on how yeah. to how to clean up all the streaming and yep. and uh, and and how to build a how to build a, a really strong yeah. brand yeah. and and monetize that business. Yeah, I, I, I that's agree. what they need, right? Isn't that what you do to get to the next level? Is you 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 bring on you bring on someone that can get you there, right? You yeah, bring yeah. on a star player. I think uh, that's what they need to do because I, yeah. I, I think that like that's why I keep going back to the Peter principle. And and they've done I mean, what Flow has done, I mean, we should give them credit. I mean, they've, they've done is amazing. They start off as um, track and wrestling. It was two brothers. One one was a wrestler. One was a track guy. And they both were saying there's no. Yeah, I know. It's kind of making them sound like they don't know what the hell they're. Yeah, no, know, I mean, they do. But they're, they're, like, they're super smart well, people. And in, every, in every business, though, you have to understand, like with with few exceptions, like Facebook and Airbnb, we were talking about earlier. Those are kind of exceptions where you have the founders still as the CEOs. But in most businesses, it's like you get to a certain level and you need to bring on a CEO and somebody like that who is used to taking, you know, a company of 400 people and taking into a company of 1,500 or 2,000 or whatever. There's just sort of different skill sets to be able to bring a company to higher and higher levels. And, you know, what Flow has done is amazing. Two guys, one going to track meets, one going to wrestling meets and filming it. And then they got gymnastics. And then at some point they got grappling and they've got all these things they've done really well. But the thing with something like gymnastics or, or things like that, that stuff's already on mainstream television. That's already an Olympic sport. That's already something that had that higher level of viewership to begin with. Something like grappling, it's not there. And so, again, if it just wants to keep it as the niche, cool. But then let's lower the production costs and let's get more for the consumer and probably more for the competitors too. But if you're going to keep with these production costs and the lights and the this and the that, then it seems to me like the goal is to get it more mainstream. And to do that at a certain point, you have to realize we're just not mainstream people. We need to bring in somebody who is, who understands that appeal and follow their guidance. I mean, I, I'm an armchair quarterback on this stuff, obviously, but I just think that's, that's how you do it. That's how it's done, and, and they're not doing. It doesn't seem like they're doing that. Maybe they are, but it doesn't seem like it. And the last two events I've watched with them, even though I like the competitors, I like the stuff. It's like, dude, this you're getting all the downsides of the UFC of being late at night and this and that, and you're not getting the upsides either because you're you're making these matches way too long. You're starting them way too late, and you're kind of killing your core base, and you're not bringing. I guarantee you are not bringing in new viewers with what you're putting on. So, I don't know. We covered a lot of topics today. <laughs> Those really, though, the theme is you gotta, 
Build your own brand. You got to build your own brand and write your own story. And the cool thing about nowadays is with technology, you can literally do that anywhere. And this is what I aim to find out in the next year. Is that oh. possible to do it anywhere? We're going to find out. Mic drop. To check out this episode again or to listen to our past episodes, go to the Jiu-Jitsu of Life. Check us out on Apple iTunes. Like, review, subscribe. Shout out to Robles Makers of the World's Finest Custom Jiu-Jitsu Apparel. Nobody can be you better than you. Be authentic, Robles. Check out Yellow Pine Investments. Also check out Quantum Leap Digital Design for all your website design needs. As always, I'm Mo. That is my brother and partner in crime, Carter Fisk. We wish you guys nothing but the best, both on and off the mat. Thank you for listening. Thank you, guys. That's it for this episode of the Jiu-Jitsu of Life. Your hosts are Carter Fisk and Mo Siddiqui. This podcast is brought to you by Rulebliss, makers of the world's finest custom jiu-jitsu apparel. You can subscribe to the Rulebliss newsletter to get the exclusive content at rulebliss.com. You can find more episodes of this show on our website at thejujitsuoflife.com. And you can subscribe to us at Apple Podcasts. Thank you for listening, and we wish you a great week, both on and off the mat.